Listening to the Pass the Mic podcast, a podcast dedicated to amplifying female, trans, and non binary voices in music. The phrase crying for fun might sound like a contradiction, but this emotional tug of war is just the kind of subject matter that musician and songwriter Katherine Segerman loves. The song you just heard is Cry Part 2 off of the debut full length album from the Minneapolis band Lunch Duchess. The album came out on August 16th via Heavy Meadow Records. Catherine is the drummer, vocalist, and songwriter for Lunch Duchess. The album Crying for Fun showcases her talent for tackling personal and heavy topics, and making them fun. The album navigates the messy boundaries of love, body autonomy, and female sexuality, all with a playful ease. Catherine's background as a drummer fills Lunch Duchess's songs with a patchwork of time signatures and musical influences from math rock to grunge. Keep listening to hear our full conversation as we dive into Catherine's musical background, humor-infused approach to songwriting, and her journey to releasing her first full-length album with Lunch Duchess. 
All right. Well, welcome, Catherine, to the Pass the Mic podcast. Thank you. Of course. I'm excited to dig in and hear a little bit about the new Lunch Duchess album. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, as we're recording it, it is still not released. When the episode comes out, it already will be. So just a little context for the listeners at home. Thanks. But yeah, congratulations on the almost release of Crying for Fun. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. How does it feel that the album is like two days from being released? I feel a little nervous about the things I still have to do. But besides that, um, good. Nice. Well, I'd love to get started by just hearing a little bit about how Lunch Duchess got formed. I know you've mm-hmm. been around for a couple of years. Um, So how did the project come together? I think that was maybe at the end of summer 2015, and I had just toured with my old band, Boyf, and we weren't really playing that much anymore, and I, like, had all these angsty feelings, and I started just writing, like, my own songs as opposed to, you know, being in someone else's band sort of songs, Um, and I was working with a guitarist, and then my roommate slash person I moved to Minneapolis with, Nikki Steves, started playing keyboards in that band, too. And then I was like, oh, I, you know, I really want to have a band. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had these four songs ready to go, and we actually recorded those four songs. That was the EP, My Mom Says I Have a Rich Inner Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recorded those, like, before we ever played a show. And then we started playing shows. I think one one show happened before the release, yeah. And then we just kept playing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nice. So is Lunch Duchess, like, the first project that's kind of been like your baby, like where you've been like the main songwriter? Yeah, everything else I was just contributing some songs here and there and like ideas here and there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this one was like, oh, I'm the boss in this band. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How does it feel to be releasing like your first full length album under that project? Um, (laughs) It feels good. I feel like I happen to have so much going on in my life right now at the same time that it's like one more crazy thing to be doing but it does feel cathartic to just know that it's finally going to be out there because that first ep was 2016 it's already 2019 Mm -hmm. so i'm like yeah finally all these songs that i've known for a while are going to be out in the world Mm -hmm. for sure yeah and a couple of the songs that are on the album or at least um ride or die Mm -hmm. was released previously um why did you decide to include that track again on this album yeah i had um i had decision making going on in there because that was released in june of 2018 as a single like a standalone because we hadn't released anything in so long and then i was asking a friend like oh should i put it on this album or are people sick of it already what should i do and he was just telling me this was um brent penny that mm-hmm. musician and he was like well it'd be really good to like have it exposed to more people um so i figured yeah okay and i still like that song so mm-hmm. <laughs> put it on nice. again instead of a standalone single single it's also on the record now mm-hmm. exactly it's like it has its little home now yeah it knows where it belongs exactly nice and I wanted to ask, too, because the album's title, Crying for Fun, mm-hmm. is is that a reference to, there's a track on, my mom says I have a rich inner life called Cry. Mm-hmm. Is that like a, a calling back to that or just a coincidence? Uh, calling back to it, because on that EP, there's the song Cry, as you said. And on the album, there's another song called Cry, part two. Um, and then one of the lyrics is, I like crying for fun. Mm-hmm. So I decided to call the whole album Crying for Fun, and it's just... <laughs> I guess encapsulating that theme of crying Mm -hmm. in a merry way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that song is like such a fun, it's just like a fun little bop. It's been stuck in my head for the past like two weeks and it's so catchy (laughs) and I love it. And I feel like it's a very like 2019 picture of like crying and expressing your emotions. I feel like that's been a big like way that people like 
of our generation or just like younger people in general are like trying to express their emotions like mm -hmm. twitter especially is you know uses a lot of that kind of like humor and sarcasm yeah. and kind of upbeat energy to portray really serious and like heavy emotions totally and i see that too in pop music just echoing the twitter sphere mm -hmm. like the julia michael song i think it's called issues and it's like you've got issues i've got issues blah 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 blah. i don't know mm -hmm. it's it's kind of like disconcerting when you first hear it of like why is this person singing so uh blatantly and brazenly about their anxiety or like other issues that they have mm -hmm. so yeah. i guess i'm just uh in that trend <laughs> right now yeah yeah do you feel like using kind of that humor or maybe that like veil of like distancing yourself from them those emotions a little bit makes it easier to talk so openly about them in your music oh yeah it's definitely a defense mechanism <laughs> humor <laughs> nice yeah nice yeah, I love that music video for Crying for Fun, or for Cry Part 2, excuse me, because it's right. so fun, and, like, it's bright colors, and there's, like, a money gun, like, spewing dollar bills, and it's bright and fun, but is also, like, talking about, yeah, like, really serious things. Yeah, and, like, disappointing your boyfriend sitting on the couch, he wants to go out, and you're crying, like, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the director, um, Adam Foster Jacobs, was... He just brought that all together so quickly. Like we had sort of a different concept going in and the money was more tied to like um, the marketing of emotions, I guess. Or mm -hmm. there's a Grimes lyric about that too on, on one of her more recent albums. Um, oh, da -da 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 -da. sorry, I'm trying to remember what no. it is. <laughs> Commodifying all the pain is what mm -hmm. she says. So it was kind of that idea. Um, yeah, of like exchanging money for your emotions that you're expressing via art mm -hmm. but it really got distilled in that music video into yeah. just throwing money at our faces yeah. and I think that's a more fun way to do it yeah yeah wow I love that I didn't even think about that when I first first watched the video but yeah I think that's so true that yeah, like it's a leap yeah but I think that's awesome that yeah as this has kind of like become a trend which can be a good thing of like people expressing their mm -hmm. emotions really openly in their music it can also be something that's like corporatized and just yeah, yeah used as a money grab yeah it's like you try to get back to the earnestness of music and kind of a frankie cosmos way and then i feel like more mainstream pop picks up on that and pushes it back towards capitalism and mm -hmm. yeah corporate stuff yeah totally was there anything that you were listening to in particular when you were making the album anything that inspired mm -hmm. either like the sound of it um because they're are a lot of different, like, I guess you could say genres, which I don't love that word, but there are a lot of different, like, influences that you pull on musically, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of typical for Lunch Duchess to pull in kind of, like, math rock, but also jazz, but also grunge, but also pop. Yeah. Um, so there are a bunch of different things there. Is there anything that influenced that sound in particular? Mm, I think overall, probably, like, my training as a drummer makes the songs kind of shift genres a lot. Um, and I'll like change the mood pretty quickly and I'll change the, uh, even the tempo, um, and the time signature. And that'll just be like, oh, here's another kind of fun thing from my drumming past. Mm -hmm. I think that plays into it. I think individually the musicians each bring their own backgrounds. Like Sam, the guitarist grew up on both metal and queen. And I feel like they bring a lot of that energy into the guitar work. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a few particular songs like ride or die. The piano line, da, 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 da. it's like very simple and sparse. And I think I was listening to a lot of Cat Power then, mm -hmm. um, like the album You Are Free. Mm -hmm. And I was just really into the 
yeah, like pared down songs on that album. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, there's a long uh, kind of like rambling line that happens. And I was listening to a lot of Kurt File at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's something like, life is long and I don't want that to be a bad thing anymore. Da, 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 da. And just the way that all those words are fit into it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I totally stole that from just listening to a lot of Kurt Vile <laughs> during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. So little things like that sometimes pop up, but mostly I don't really know where it's coming. I'll write melodically for the vocals and then um, band members will add their own things. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times, um, yeah, the genre stuff is sometimes on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you set out to write a song, do you start on the drums or on a different instrument? Um, it starts in my head as a vocal melody. So like some phrase will pop up, maybe I like crying for fun. And then it's just in my head for weeks kind of bopping around. And then I'll think of some other melody that works well with it. And then once I have enough in my head, I'll start um, adding like banjo or piano to it or bass, get the whole structure or as much as I feel I can do at the time. Mm-hmm. And then bring either like one or two bandmates in or the whole band and start working on it there. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I'd love to hear a little bit, too, about your musical background, um, because I know you're a super accomplished drummer and a super big instrumentalist, it sounds like, too. So how did you kind of get started into playing music and what were some of the things that made you excited about music when you were younger? Um, Oh, I guess I did have a band when I was like eight, uh, the Flower Power Girls. (laughs) And we just ripped off like a bunch of Spice Girls songs, basically, when I look back on it. I love it. I wish I wish I could hear that music right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know I have a home video of it somewhere. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was purely singing. And then I started playing drums when I was 12. And I started like a band in middle school and tried to convince my friends to play instruments, which like sort of worked, didn't really work. Um, yeah, really just played drums for a long time, but I was always really into just writing little songs in my head. So I would start playing on guitar, even though I didn't know how to play guitar, uh, start playing on piano, even though I didn't know how to play piano, mm-hmm. got myself a banjo because I thought my hands were too small for the guitar, but it's just cause I don't feel like stretching them that much. Yeah. Yeah. I like never learned any music theory, um, or musical instruments besides the drums. So I can mm-hmm. like read drum music, et cetera, but that's all. And everything else is just... I think sometimes I'll think of unusual transitions, maybe going back to that other question, because I don't have music theory training. Mm-hmm. So I'll do something that a bandmate of mine who's well-versed in music theory would say, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. That sounds so weird. Or like, oh, whoa, that's a, you know, this triad, mm-hmm. <laughs> the tonic. I don't know what those words mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really just drums and loving music and loving pop songs going on in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's cool, too. Like, I mean, I love music theory. I don't want to, like, you know, shit on it a little bit because (laughs) I think it's great and a useful tool. But also sometimes you get really stuck in all these formulas of being like, these are the things that I need to pick from. And when you can just hear something in your head, it can be a lot more freeing and just give you so many more opportunities. Yeah, totally. Although learning vaguely what keys are has been helpful Mm -hmm. for, (laughs) oh, what are my options? Where can I go now? Exactly. Yeah. But I, I try to stay fairly ignorant. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, I feel like that's the hardest part is just translating that to other people. So it sounds like, you know, as long as you're communicating that well, which it sounds like you are to your bandmates, then yeah. that's what matters. It's a lot of us just being in the basement and me singing the line that I would like someone to play on keyboards. Mm-hmm. 
and they're just all angels. So they're <laughs> like, okay, yeah, sing it again. I'll do it. I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Nice. And how did you develop? Um, I've seen you play live before, and most of the time you wear like a headset mic while you're drumming, which I just want to say I think is like the most amazing thing ever. And Thanks. I wish I saw more people doing that because I think it's amazing. It's so much easier than not having one. Yeah. How, when did you start doing that? Um, when I was drumming in Boif, definitely. And I think that maybe my bandmates wanted me to sing backup, but I really hated the traditional setup of like a boom stand mic next to the drummer and the mm -hmm. drummer's craning their head the whole time, mm -hmm. um, trying to get close and messing up their drums probably. Mm -hmm. So I saw it online. And I was like, yeah, why don't I try that? Um, so yeah, I ordered it, started playing with that on my head. Uh, and then that just built up my confidence little by little so that by the time I started Lunch Duchess, I wasn't like great at it, but I was good enough at it by then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And I saw, I read that you are going to be moving away from doing that in the future and just focusing on singing. What yeah. made you choose to do that? Um, okay. Honestly, a little bit of fatigue of just dragging my drums everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm a lazy drummer. Like I love borrowing people's sets. I like I don't even care if I have to adjust my playing to play someone else's drums. It's better for me than having to lug mm -hmm. this like five piece drum set everywhere. Um, so laziness a little bit. And then we played one show at the Aster in April where there were no drums. And I got to like wear a dress and dance around and stuff. And it just felt a lot more like intimate with the audience. Mm -hmm. um, I could connect with them more. So I wanted to explore that more. Um, cause I feel like Lunch Duchess is known as like, oh, it's the band with the singing drummer and that's cool. And I mm -hmm. like that that's something new that people haven't seen before, but I would much rather have it be, oh, that's the band whose music I like a lot mm -hmm. because they're not like focused on kind of the kitschy aspect of a singing drummer, which to me is just like, that's the instrument I happen to play. Mm -hmm. Um, but now I can wear ball gowns and dance around. Yeah, exactly. And I'm excited to see more of that like performance aspect too, yeah. because I feel like especially with this album, a lot of the songs on them really lend themselves to like big stage presence. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how you're going to translate those to the stage. Yeah, they're very dramatic songs. So I think that'll be fun. Mm hmm. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about a couple more songs on mm. this album too, um, because yeah, I think just the way that you use humor, like I've said throughout this album, is just really amazing in being really upfront about a lot of topics. Um, mm. And one that really stuck out to me, and I think probably a lot of other people too, um, is better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because it's just so honest. And I think we totally need more songs like that, mm -hmm. that are just really, you know, demand better for like women's sexual experiences. I think that's yes. so necessary. Yeah. I mean, it's just horrifying the amount of like straight guy partners who I, it's like choose to stay ignorant, I guess, about how they could be pleasuring their partner. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like women, um, from a, you know, at least straight women from a very young age are like trained that they have to be really good at blowjobs mm -hmm. and like they have to be worried about this stuff and like watching porn and stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, flip side, you know, boys should be learning about that too. And you know, I've had really great partners and I've had negligent partners. Mm -hmm. So, and then I feel like sometimes there's like a, a reluctance on men's part to learn sometimes because it like almost as if admitting that they have more to learn is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think sexuality yeah. is like a lifelong journey. Like I want to be 
someone's best partner. I want to like be really good. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not like shameful to me to have that as a goal. Mm -hmm. No. And it's not a bad thing to, yeah, ask for what you want and like have a positive experience. I feel like that's something that's so hard to get over feeling like feeling like well this wasn't a bad experience so what do I have to complain about it's yeah. like that shouldn't be a low bar. the baseline exactly yeah. yeah yeah so I love how that song is like just so upfront about that and I think yeah speaking in that kind of you know nonchalant tone like mm-hmm. kind of is like well why can't this be more normal right yeah I feel like comedians use that as a way to broach social topics too of just like well if we make everyone feel more comfortable talking about this and make jokes about it maybe we can make some progress on it Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah just want this album to bring better sex for everybody Mm -hmm. not just hetero couples everybody (laughs) i love that i love that yeah i think that relates to to the song body which i think Mm -hmm. is also really awesome and kind of is similar in the way that it's really you know blunt about how it's weird to have a body as mm-hmm. a human um but yeah addresses things about like sexual experiences but just about like being a human who like has snot and yeah. like <laughs> you know deals with allergies and stuff mm-hmm. yeah that one started definitely as just like oh, i don't really know what i'm writing um i want to write a song right now and then it kind of evolved into like all right i've talked about um taking drugs and i've talked about snot but here's something I actually care about is, like, bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I know why I wrote this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you feel like that happens a lot where you go into writing a song just kind of, like, putting stuff down on a page and then you look back at it later and you're like, oh, this is what that song is about? Definitely. Yeah. I would say usually it's more focused from the beginning. Like, that song, um, my friend just wanted to be writing a song. So I was like, okay, here's... Da, da, da. like here's some tunes that we could use a melody mm-hmm. um but a lot of the other ones do start with like a particular phrase but in, in any case um for many songs that i've written sometimes i don't know the full meaning of it until even years later mm-hmm. and then i look back on it like oh i was upset about this or yeah this is a commentary on something else that like i knew on some level but not on a conscious level mm-hmm yeah Yeah, totally. What has it been like to get some responses to some of these songs, either from playing them live or um, from just hearing feedback from people, especially with some of these super vulnerable songs Mm -hmm. like Better or Body? Um, What's it like to hear like other people's interpretations of these really like personal songs? Um, Surprisingly, not too scary. I'm always scared to like read. I don't know how I how I sound in an interview or something like that. But I feel like when I write the songs and everything, like they're out, they're out of me. And I don't really care like what the reaction is after that. Um, I guess it is really nice when people relate to it because I was worried like as a younger songwriter that people wouldn't relate to some of it. So that's that's always nice. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, yeah, I struggle with these issues, too. Or, yeah, that is an annoying thing Mm -hmm. that no one else has expressed yet or. Yeah. So mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's always scary to put something out in the world and be like, I don't have control over this mm-hmm. anymore. It's just going to be taken however it's going to be taken. But yeah. at the end of the day, if you can like relate to other people and even just like start a conversation about something like that's so awesome. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> I thought that was on silent and it wasn't. 
Mm-hmm. Anything good? Um, just some Facebook messages. It's always just group, like group chat messages. Gotta, like, I always mute those ones. I know. I just don't have time. I want to be on top of it, but I can't. <laughs> I think that's becoming an adult. Like, so many things you have to choose what to prioritize. It's. I was at such an overwhelmed point earlier today, mm-hmm. just having a moment where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I messed up this one thing at work so badly, but it's because there's like too many things in my brain right now mm-hmm. and I have it's... to do fewer things. Yeah. How do you decide what's important? Like just creating yeah. a schedule. I feel like I need one of those little like school planners that has like every single subject on it and color coded. Those were the days. It was so much easier without yeah. phones and... You I just had this that. one book that you relied on. <laughs> I miss that. I want that. I need to get some binders in my life. I think that's that's what I should do. <laughs> totally. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about um, Heavy Meadow Records, too, mm-hmm. because that is the label that you're releasing, Crying for Fun, on. Um, yeah. How did you get in touch with them and decide to release via Heavy Meadow? Um, I got in touch with them in, like, the weirdest, most kind of passive Minnesotan way possible, where... Uh, Jeremy Warden runs that label, mm-hmm. and they're that total sweetheart from um, Double Grave, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to get Jeremy's advice on record labels because I was like considering reaching out to labels. And then, kind of just the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, Heavy Meadow would be a really good place for Lunch Duchess just based on the rest of their roster um, and just it being local and me like not knowing Jeremy super well, but trusting Jeremy implicitly. Mm -hmm. So we just had a conversation, a phone conversation. By the end of it, I was like, "Uh, do you? And he's like, are you you asking me to release this? And I was like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) So yeah, and then we just made it happen. Nice. Yeah, it all comes full circle. Yeah, totally. And I'm actually really excited about the tapes that are coming out through Heavy Meadow because it's like, I feel like a lot of bands do the really small J card, so it just has the cover on it and maybe a list of the songs. Mm-hmm. But I went like full out for whatever reason and printed all the lyrics to the songs <laughs> on it, which nice. I'm really hoping I don't find a typo on or something because <laughs> I would just be so mad at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wanted like an object that I feel really proud of. So we made that. Mm-hmm. And those will be available at the show on August 31st, which maybe already happened. I don't know where we are in time <laughs> right now. <laughs> nice. So it's just cassette and digital? Cassette, digital, and CDs. Nice. We do have one exciting new piece of merch as well, which mm-hmm. is going to be a handkerchief that Ooh. says crying for fun. So you can cry I into a floral handkerchief. Love that. Oh my gosh, I need that. <laughs> I need to finish designing it, yes. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm excited. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yeah, yeah so there's going to be an album release show mm-hmm. on the 31st at Mortimer's. Um, Are there any songs in particular from the album that you're, like, really excited about performing? Um, I'm really excited about playing Lust slash Love. It's just a super dramatic beginning, and then it gets really quiet, so the dynamics of it are really exciting. Mm -hmm. And usually I'm super, like, out of breath on that song when I'm playing drums, so I'm hoping I won't be as out of breath when I'm, you know, singing properly, standing up and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So definitely excited for that, and might bring back... Um, a song from the old EP that we haven't played in years. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm mm-hmm. excited to hear it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so there are a couple lineup changes mm-hmm. happening. Could you explain what those are going to be? Yeah. Um, our beloved Nikki, who was there from the very beginning, um, first started playing keys and like has been such a grounding force in the band. <laughs> like so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um like makes sandwiches in the back on tour for us and mothers us and figures out what to do when we get stranded. 
um, Nikki is leaving the band, focusing more on work and um, and their band, City Counselor. Mm-hmm. And then replacing Nikki is actually someone who previously was in the band, um, Renelle Labiche. Used to play bass in Lunch Duchess for uh, maybe like a year or so. Mm-hmm. And so she's coming back playing on keys this time. Nice. Um, and then I have fired myself as drummer. Mm-hmm. So replacing me is Jeff Markovis. Uh, and he recorded the album and mixed the album. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they feel like big changes. It's a whole new era of Lunch Duchess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, but I think all of the all the members who were on the album will be at the show. And I'm hoping to have Nikki sing back up on some songs and stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, even though there's some changes, it's still like familiar faces, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like been kept in the family. I mean, I've been adding new people, but... Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's funny just like circling back to old members like mm-hmm. Matthew used to play guitar in the band during the Renell on bass era. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny because now he's on bass and she's coming back on keys. <laughs> yeah, just like a big musical chairs. Exactly. It totally is exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. joining me on this podcast. Thank you, Colleen. Yeah. Before we go, I am trying to ask all of my guests who someone who inspires them is. So if there's anyone you want to give a shout out to, it could be someone you know personally, someone who you have never met, who you look up to, anyone who you think is super cool and just deserves a little shout out. Um, Little shout out to a big person would be to Bjork. I love Bjork. Um, And to Peaches, the rapper who sings a lot about sex. Mm -hmm. Nice. (laughs) Those are my shout outs (laughs) of the day. (laughs) Perfect. Well, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you so much.
singer Crying for Fun by Lunch Duchess, out now via Heavy Meadow Records. You can keep up with Lunch Duchess online at lunchduchessmusic.bandcamp.com, and you can see them perform at the album release show for Crying for Fun on August 31st at Mortimer's Bar and Restaurant in Minneapolis. The Pass the Mic podcast is produced by Ali Pashuk and Colleen Cowie and is presented by Renaissance People's Media. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and at pass-the-mic.com. If you want to support the people who make this podcast and Pass the Mic possible, you can head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash passthemicmag. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.